Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. everybody welcome to Tara talk with shannon and kathy hello hello you may hear kathy's audio is just a little bit different today we're doing a remote interview I, i'm really looking forward to this one i i really love his work and i don't know this series was pretty awesome we're so excited to welcome to the show today dennis lahane he's the showrunner on a new apple tv plus series called blackbird you may know him he was the author of the award-winning novels, Shutter Island, Mystic River, Gone Baby Gone, a lot of massive movies also that we've obviously seen based on a novel by this guy, Dennis. So we're pretty excited. This particular story is a true crime drama, actually. about It's like a rip-from-the-headlines type of story starring Taron Edgerton, Paul Walter Hauser, Sapita Moafi, Greg Kinnear, and Ray Liotta. Yeah, it's really an all-star cast. It's based on the 2010 memoir by James Keane and Hillel Levin, In With the Devil, A Fallen Hero, A Serial Killer, and A Dangerous Bargain for Redemption. So I'm excited. I, I want to ask him about how he crafted the story from a true crime, because I think that James Keene, and we'll ask him about this, was involved. Yeah, I, I read the same thing. And also, like, I know you and I have talked about uh, outside of this interview, just um, how difficult it is to take a true crime story that people know what happens and still be able to make it as suspenseful and interesting as it was. Like, you know, even though you know what's about to happen, you're, you're waiting for more. And I think that takes such talent to be able to do something like that. Absolutely. And I'm, of course, we're going to ask about the, you know, the writing of the psychopathy, because that's what we talk about here a lot. And there's at least two characters, if not more, that have psychopathic traits and sociopathic traits and narcissistic traits and all the things that we talk about quite a bit. And, you know, I didn't ever really realize it, but of course, his books and so many of the shows that he's been involved with, Mr. Mercedes, The Wire, Boardwalk Empire, you know, Bloodline, all of these different big, heavy-hitting shows that all have this psychology and these criminal element and personality themes in them so it just seemed like mm -hmm. it just seemed like our zone so we're very much excited to welcome dennis to the show and here is our interview with him hi dennis thank you so much for doing this we're very excited to meet you and talk about your new series blackbird as Kathy and I are both therapists. I'm interested in how you approach the writing of the psychology in Blackbird because from watching the series without spoilers, I can say that the suspense and, and a lot of the success for me was because you really leaned into the relationship between the two main characters and real life people, their relationship and their history and their childhood and everything. And it just felt very fleshed out. And I was wondering if you could speak to how you approach the psychological perspective of the show? Well, I, I mean, I think that's wheelhouse to me. It's it's kind of bread and butter. If you if you see the 
novels I've written, if you see most of the work I've done, it, it all tends to live in the psychological realm, certainly the, the realm of psychological suspense. And I find a, there's a Cormac McCarthy line I love, how's a man to know his mind when his mind is all he has to know it with? And I feel like, never mind the fact that ultimately no two people can ultimate, ultimately know each other. I also believe that no person can ultimately know themselves. That's why you go on this big, you know, the, the, the great journeys we go for self-discovery. But ultimately, you know, there's going to be parts of our mental universe that lay untapped, even from us, you know, galaxies we don't touch. That's, that's kind of where I went in with these two guys. And I just thought, okay, what was Jimmy's job? Jimmy's job was to get into Larry's head. Larry can't even stay in his head. So uh, that's going to be a real tricky dance. And that, yeah. that attract, certainly attracted me to the material. Yeah, and it, was, it definitely played out that way as a very tricky dance. You, it was very suspenseful, and you didn't know if he was going to be successful or not, or you know, if you don't know the story. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why true crime dramas are often come from obviously very pe people's very real lives are often very difficult to watch as a viewer certainly and I'm imagining difficult to adapt just because in the writing process I'm guessing that it changes the way you tell the story when you're not creating a, a total fiction it's like I imagine there's a difference between you know in how you make the story engaging and how you roll out the plot of a story that many people might know you know the end of it yeah, or yeah. how it rolls out well one of the things that you go looking for or I went looking for was you know what what wasn't in the book what wasn't in that they'd done some dateline and CNN stuff on it and what wasn't in there and, and what I kept noticing as I read the book the first time was I didn't believe it, like, it, it, which was good. You know, I just kept saying, there's a lot of holes in this story. How, what if, what if Paul Larry Hall was, was a serial confessor? That struck me about midway through the book. What if he didn't do this? Jimmy's still in a lot, Jimmy's still essentially screwed. He's still stuck in, in the worst, one of the worst prisons in America. So that became a whole different level of suspense, actually. It's the third episode of the show that really explores the idea of doubt, which is, it can be debilitating. And you have sometimes you have to make a choice. I think a lot of people make choices and and come to very bad results because they can't live with doubt. It's very hard to sit with doubt. I'd like to piggyback on that. I really appreciate that comment just because watching that third episode is really what made me feel that the vantage point really was from Jimmy. And like you're saying, it didn't really matter so much to me watching it, whether Hall was a serial confessor or he actually did what he did because there's so much you know just reading about Larry Hall's character and questions about whether he staged other murders and things like that but I felt very connected to Jimmy's character and being in that sense of unknown with him and and I just think that was done really really well and and you've sort of already answered this but you know how do you go about making something incredibly suspenseful despite the fact that we have the facts to the case because I felt watching this that although I knew the the story I felt like I was still on this ride and I think that was something that you don't often get when you're watching fiction so I really appreciated that oh thanks well I mean a part of it's like uh, when I was very young not too young but I think I was like seventh grade I saw Midnight Express I don't know if you remember that mm -hmm. movie yeah you can watch the first 10 minutes of Midnight Express a hundred times and still wish for a different outcome. 
Yes. You know he's going to get busted. You know the movie can't start. But the opening is so unbelievably tense because they keep giving you these these moments where he 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 can back you can back out now. You can back. Don't do it. Don't whatever you do. Don't try and get those drugs on that plane. And because of all those missed opportunities, because of the sense of oh he the road not taken, the road not taken, the road not taken. That's where the suspense gets built up. Whether you know what happens or not, it doesn't matter. Right. It's atavistic in us to kind of follow these stories and go, oh, I hope it could go a different direction. I hope it could go, even though, even if you've seen it a million times, that's why we tell each other bedtime stories. That's why people like horror stories. That's why people like to rewatch things. So even if you know, and I don't think too many people know the big, the, the particulars of Jimmy's story with Larry, but even if you do know, I'm going to, I'm going to do things to me as a, as a, somebody with 25 years experience doing this to make you come out of your skin very successfully. And I, I think that's a through line in, in the work that I know that you've done um, the wire and boardwalk empire. If I could describe it one way, it would be like, there's an intensity in the air. Mm -hmm. So the pacing kind of gives that structure of leaning in because of the slowing down and the speeding up, just the way the narrative is structured so that we're, looking at this big picture, but then we're going between the macro and the micro of the story. The intensity, no matter whether I've watched the show a million times or not, and of course I have to mention The Wire, m mostly because it's my dad's favorite show and he'd kill me if I didn't, but <laughs> what I did notice is a little bit of commonality. I know that you played very different roles yes. in your work for both of those shows, but some of the characters felt similar in the sense that the way the females are written was touched me because I they're just so strong and so uh, relatable. And I wonder if you're attentive to that. Well, with, with um, this, you know, we, don't, we, we had a top heavy male story and the, the character of Lauren McCauley is an amalgam of, of a couple of different people in the actual story. Okay. And I said, we need a strong female. We need a female in this press because I don't want to watch a show about a bunch of dudes. I just don't. <laughs> And I'm already going into prison, which I don't like. I don't like prison shows. I don't like prison books. I don't like prison. So how can I how can I leaven this? And Jimmy had talked about in the book about his handler and and some of those Jimmy believed that she was attracted to him. And I thought that was perfect to create my Jimmy. So uh, I wanted the very first thing I remember saying to Sepeda, who plays who plays Lauren. She's fantastic, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, the first thing we ever agreed upon was uh, she is playing Jimmy from, from minute one. Yes. He never. I said he can never feel like he's on solid ground with you. You have to be playing him every step of the way. And and that's what great cops do. You know, I, I do know a lot of cops. And the first thing they, they want to do is make sure you have no foundation under you, that you always feel like you're standing on quicksand. And that's what she does with Jimmy. She was incredibly, as, as an actor, too, her performance, because I think sometimes there can be an overcorrection or someone will overplay or it can be, feel very surfaced. Mm -hmm. And her performance on the series to me is just outstanding. She's so incredibly believable and everything that you were wanting from that character, I think she has certainly delivered. Uh, I, 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 the casting in this has been absolutely incredible. And then of course we have, you know, this experience with Ray Liotta as he's leaving us. And uh, that was really just touching to have him play the father. And 
you know, one of the things I appreciate so much about your writing, Dennis, and uh, you caught me back, you know, Mystic River is one of my favorites to this day. It changed the way that I watched thrillers. And I, and I also know, based on Sh- Shannon's comment also, that you, you wrote a psychological thriller from the point of the woman's perspective. Uh, yep. I think it was a, it's about five years old now, if I'm, if I'm correct. So uh, you do write women exceptionally well. I, I just feel that the, the, the casting in this series was so on point. Um, and I don't know if you had any influence in that or not, but to me it was a, it was a big contributor to the success. Uh, the chemistry was just wonderful. No, I, I cast the entire show. So with, with the casting director, uh, Alexa Fogel. But my, you know, I've been, I've run shows from, the writing side of things while somebody else ran set. So I've never had full control of casting. And it was something I always felt uh, that I, I knew how to do, that, that I was good at this. And and so when we went in to cast this, I had so much fun with it. And I would do it all night until I got every single part the way I wanted it. And I would send them back to the well and send them back to the well until we got the actor I really felt could, could carry that. It could be the smallest part. I think of there's a kid who plays a um, gas station attendant in episode five. And, and I worked to find that kid, you know, and he, he's just a gas station attendant, but he's absolutely fantastic. He's totally believable. Yeah, he knocked it out of the park. As far as we're concerned, the casting was a huge, huge part of this. With casting, it, it's if you make a mistake, it pulls you out of the scene. Anything that pulls you out of the scene, that's that's problematic. And so I want I want, I want my cast to be, I, Ben Affleck said something once I've never forgotten. He said that a director had told him that the key to direct, directing is to casting, and the key to casting is to cast the largest part. I mean, the smallest part is if it's the largest part. So we did a lot of that. On that. Well, and as, as two people who watch a lot of psychopathy in media, because it's <laughs> one, of the, one of the things we talk about regularly on the show, if not every single episode. So we're watching a lot of psychopathy and, and both uh, worked with a lot of psychopathy and sociopathy in, in people. And I think that's an extremely delicate thing to portray. And so I imagine when you're casting, that's one of the things that you're looking for because these two characters are kind of on the spectrum, maybe opposite ends of the spectrum. Or yep, sure. That delicate portrayal of psychopathy is something that can also take people out they don't maybe the average viewer doesn't know exactly why they got pulled out of the scene but if you don't play the balance of the game that they're both playing it could really go awry and I really I definitely saw that in the actors but I also am seeing it in the narrative and the way you wrote it that's kind of why I started out with talking about the psychology of it well Paul who plays Larry he and I talked a lot about uh I said you know there's there's moments they're in the script We, we wrote them directly into the script but I said there are moments where Larry's brain just doesn't fire correctly. He disconnects because he's, and I've seen that so much in people who I feel are mentally dangerous or unsound, which is, you know, you're in the middle of a conversation with them and then all of a sudden they just, and they drift off and they go off to wherever, whatever, again, like if we say the mind is like a universe, they're off in another galaxy. And then they come floating on back and then they're like, I really like apples. You know, you, you know, and then they go on to the conversation. So Larry does that several times. And we thought it would be fun if he does it at crucial, kind of crucial plot moments sometimes, too. You know, it's just yeah. like he's wet on the cusp of giving Jimmy the information. And then he's all of a sudden like, I really like Vans. Yeah. You know. One of the things I enjoyed so much about their dynamic was 
Larry's character was really the only person that had given Jimmy a run for his money because Jimmy was so grand is so grandiose and even tries to manipulate Lauren and all this stuff. But I think he's thrown off by by Larry because Larry comes off as you know developmentally delayed and all of these things. And Larry really is running the show and the desperation. It's silent from Jimmy, but it it just works so well. Thanks. Thanks so much. And you're not sure if the tangential nature of his thought process is if he's guiding it or not. And I think that's one of the interesting things about psychopathy often. And it's certainly one of the things we assess for is, are they driving the way they're manipulating you? Or is their mind driving the way the tangential thought is going? And, and I felt like this series kept you guessing of what, which, what, which one it was. Yeah, I think that, you know, the number of passive aggressives I've known who have said, I hate passive aggressives is, is just, <laughs> it's like, so do you know, do you know? I mean, that's what I always wonder. I, I, I don't have a passive aggressive bone in my body, which, which can be problematic in another way. It makes me very East Coasty. I'll tell you exactly what I feel, and, you know, whether it's convenient or not. But when I look at passive aggressives, I just think, do you know you're doing this? Do you have, are you, because I've looked in your eyes and I don't think you do. But yet you do it nonstop and you're really good at it. So I find that how much a person is conscious of to be a fascinating question. And we don't answer it in this show. And I have no desire to answer it in this show because Larry to me is, is ultimately works best as a bit of an enigma. Sure. How much does he know? How much was he manipulative? How much did he lie about? How much did he tell the truth about? How much was he conscious of? There's a line where a guy says in the show, Larry Hall planted evidence on himself for a crime nobody was even looking at him for. Who does that? Yeah, and it mirrors our humanity as as audience members, too, because that is our condition as people. We don't necessarily understand exactly what that person is thinking or what they did or what they didn't do or what it was like in that moment. So I feel like tactic or that tool that you're using in that is a way to further drill into our, like our emotional experience of the mm-hmm. characters and of the narratives. Yeah. Just another layer. And so actually the, the last question that I have would be around, you mentioned how, of course, Jimmy Keen was very involved with this and was, uh, I believe, a major force in getting this project to the place where you could develop and execute it. And so I'm just wondering, like, can you talk a little bit about the process of adapting a story of someone that you're sitting there talking to and how different that might have been. It was at times uh, dicey. It was the first time I'd ever done it. So I had to convince Jimmy at some point that I was going to take his story and make it ours, you know, the collectives. And and to do that, I, w- I couldn't be, I couldn't have him breathing down my neck. I couldn't, not that he was, not that he wanted to, but yeah. It was something that I do when people adapt my novels for, for film. I don't. I give them my cell phone number. I say, call me if you need me. If you don't need me, I will never bother you because you don't need me looking over your shoulder. With Jimmy, I just said, you know, you, at some point you're going to have to trust me. And it was a big leap of faith. And he, I went silent on Jimmy for, I would say, a good 12 months. Wow. And that was that was tough for him. I know it was tough for him. Uh, but I said, I need to create my, me and Taryn need to create our Jimmy. It's not, it's not the real James Keen. The facts of the journey are the same. But Jimmy Keen did not go through a sort of a reckoning with his self, with the darker parts of himself. At least it's not, not anywhere we can find in the book. He didn't, he didn't confront questions of whether he has a deep-seated misogyny in him. He didn't deal with any of that. Jimmy mm-hmm. just was focused, eyes on the prize, 
not introspective at all. So I needed to create a dramatic character who went on a dramatic journey, you know, an internal journey. That's what art's about. That's what narrative's about. So yeah. to do that, I had to say, Jimmy, I'm going to stay close to the facts. I'm never going to, I'm never going to do anything that would embarrass you or your family outside of what's already in the book. But I'm, I'm taking this character in other places, you know, and, and went and ran. It's, it's, I said to help him get through it. I was like, Jimmy, there's you, Jimmy King. And then there's Jimmy Keene with air quotes around him. That's the Jimmy Keene. Uh, he, he got it eventually. And he saw the show and he was he was really uh, moved and touched and thought it was great. And so it's all good. Yeah, that's another layer of payoff for you, I imagine. Yes. It was nice. Thank you so much, Dennis, for doing this. We love the show. I look forward to being able to talk about it with other people. <laughs> you good. No one else has seen the whole thing. And so I really look forward to having that full conversation with people's experience about it. We just wish you the best of luck with it. And thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, guys. Take care. All right, you guys. So that was our interview with Dennis Lehane. We really enjoyed that. That was the first time we've actually had a showrunner or a head writer, executive producer of a TV show, especially a true crime TV show. So this was a little bit of a, let's walk into this park for a minute and see if this is something that our audience would really enjoy. And I thought he was a great pick for that because of how articulate he is about his work, how experienced he is. I mean, several decades of writing and creating television. And I just, I really enjoyed that conversation. I did too. I loved the listening to his creative process. I, you know, I shared with him how much Mm -hmm. I loved his casting and, and, you know, he went into his work with Sepeda Mm -hmm. a little bit more um, because I just loved her character. But then I was also really intrigued by the way he worked with Jimmy and how he's like, I just yeah. told Jimmy to trust me. And, you know, like months going by of just, just yeah. ghosting in a way of like, just kind of dropped him up. And then, but, but I would imagine, you know, that there's so much truth to what he said about working with Taryn. It's like, I, I need you to be our version of Jimmy. And, you know, if anyone has ever acted before, they know that when they're, when they're being, a, a, when they're, the character is based on a real person. You don't want to mimic that person so much as create your own version. And so I just really appreciated him talking about how even the characters came to life. Yeah, it was fantastic. I, I like that part too. I like the part talking about because he's been on both sides of it. So he's written these right. big, very famous novels that have been adapted into movies. So he's had that experience of having his work or his vision adapted into a movie. And so he, now he's doing it from the other side where he's taking this person's literal life story, like the way he experienced things, and then having to adapt it for us into these, into these episodes of Blackbird and how he had to do what, what, how he wanted to be treated as an author, he was doing with James, like, hey, I'm going to need some breathing room here because I, I need to create a, an arc of a narrative that's exciting and interesting for an audience. And I'm not going to shame you or hurt you or anything, but I'm going to make this great story. I also like the part where he was talking about the, the female character in this and mm-hmm. how he just really didn't want to show with all dudes and how, you know, he's done a lot of dudes show, right? Dudes shows like the wire and all. I mean, obviously there were he female. Writes women. Well, though. he does the, he, the women in the wire are, are awesome and 
and I didn't even really connect this, but literally just like six weeks ago, I started rewatching Mr. Mercedes. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I like that one. And so I just finished mm-hmm. season one and I, and it's an adaptation from a Stephen King story. So I'm just very aware of all these, you know, adaptations, which is so hot in our society right now. But anyway, we both watched the show, FYI, Blackbird on Apple Plus available i think almost all the episodes are available now if not they're like the last chunk of them are coming out very soon so i would get started on it you guys it's really really interesting and follow it through to the end because it's it's a lot of different things happen and and we want to be able to talk about it on the show at some later date when it's not spoilers (laughs) because it would be i think don't you think kathy like it would be an interesting conversation about psychopathy oh for sure I mean, his story uh, and Larry Hall's story together yeah. is quite fascinating. So, yeah, I definitely. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So thanks, you guys, so much for stopping in for the special episode. We hope you enjoyed it. And this has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone. Yeah.